Hey, Kua. Hey, Kendra. We are back for, I don't know what episode we're in. Girl, episode four? Four. We took a break. We Yeah, we took a break. Had to attend to some things. Yes, but it's okay because we're back. We back. During Black History Month. During Black History Month. Yes, so we wanted to pay homage to obviously those who came before us, but also to just celebrate, celebrate Black History Month. What does that look like now? Yeah. I think it's definitely... Um, becoming and evolving into something that we never probably could have imagined when we were younger, hmm. right? Um, but what does that mean for us? I think just reevaluating that. But I'm excited to be celebrating Black History Month. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So the theme, you know, and and I think I don't know. It was more recent when I found out about the different themes, probably mm-hmm. like within the last few years. Um, but they've had themes for a long time. Um, and the year's theme, 2022, is Black Health and Wellness. Yes. Uh, which is near and dear to, I think, both of our all, hearts. We talk about right? it all the time. Because yeah. we always talk about something about healthcare and um, just the contributions that Black Americans yep. have made um, in the medical field. Yes. So, you know, thinking about some of the history, obviously, there's a lot of historical trauma um, just in terms of our own mm-hmm. introduction to healthcare in this country. Um, I think I, I mentioned on one of the episodes that I was reading Medical Apartheid. Yep. I think it's Harriet Washington, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And she talks a lot about how uh, slaves were purchased to conduct uh, different research on and different trials right. and um, experimentation and things like that. And so thinking about that lens and, and how far we've come. Right. Um, you know, we've made a lot of contributions we, in this space. We certainly have. And sure. I know I was talking to um, some people recently, you know, of course, this month, everyone's trying to get in their Black History Month. Yeah. Um, different celebrations and, and things like that in events. And um, someone actually, I'm going to give her a shout out, Karima Ami, which mm. I absolutely love her. I just had a conversation with her recently. And she said, you know, I'm booked and busy in February. Yeah. And she said, but what about the other months of the year? She said, I want to be booked and busy for the rest of the month of the year. And so I was thinking about that. And, you know, we always keep saying that black history is American history. But I think we need to really make sure that is infused more in our everyday lives, education and things like that as well. So I absolutely love her. Yeah, she's dope. And I think um, it it makes me think about more recently. I don't know if you saw this um, and we didn't talk about this before, but T-Pain was caught on camera. Did you see this? No. Um, I think it was on the Shade Room or something on Instagram. And someone asked, hey, T-Pain, what do you think about black history Mm -hmm. and he was like i think we should get rid of it you know oh i think i did you see that i think we should get rid of it um it needs to be celebrated all year long it's a part of american history Mm -hmm. um and honestly i think he was getting at some of the conversations that have been happening around crt critical race theory there's a lot of discussions that are happening um you know nationally around critical race theory in schools and banning books and you know there's a bunch of list is growing yeah. The list is growing. I think, uh, was it Mouse? To was just the Mockingbird? Most recent one. Which one? Mouse. Oh, okay. From, which is about um, the Holocaust and things like that. So that was, that was the most recent book that was banned. But To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. The Hate You Give is on there. The, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So okay. it's in, it's growing and it's increasing. That's a, I think that's a whole other podcast. We, we do need for to sure. talk about that. <laughs> about for sure. banned books. For sure. Um, but also to just um, putting more books into the hands of our kids. And obviously working in education. That's really mm-hmm. been a thing mm-hmm. that we've been talking about. And what does that look like in terms of curriculum work for next? year what does it look like as we talk about cultural responsive teaching in the classroom um and what images are our babies seeing you know when the the books that they're reading during story time so it's a very it's very interesting and i think that there are many people who are trying to infuse these things into everyday life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
But I think there's also some dissenters out there that, of course. you know, we'll talk about that, too, in our podcast. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, you know, just just seeing us mm-hmm, winning, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. been very refreshing. And, and that being highlighted this month has just been yeah, amazing, too. Yeah. Shout out to all the black people, Black History Month. <laughs> yep. um, it is a time for reflection. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always learning something new, too, right? Like the first to to do this or that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, from a healthcare perspective, We've, we've often, like, and I even brought it up, right, like focus on the historical traumas, but I think there's so much more potential and growth and opportunity yeah. for us. Um, people have been talking about how racism is a public health threat. Yep. Actually, um, I saw Dr. Olivia Cox, who actually mm-hmm. was on the podcast to talk about uh, the pandemic and vaccines. I saw her made a post um, just in general around like education and how people will write down, oh, you know, the cause is because this person is black and they're predisposed to X, Y, Z. And it's like, that's not the cause, right? Like right. the effect is is all those things, but it's it's really because we're rooted in racism and Correct. public health is really being seen through that lens. Um, yeah. And there's more stress. There's more. There's a lot mm-hmm. more things that people of color have to go through in this right. country that predisposes you to some of these things. Exactly. So it's interesting, um, you know. Yeah. It's a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, always got to be learning. Yeah. Always. For so. sure. For sure. Yeah, so Black History Month. Yes. Shout out. So, I mean, we're going to dive right in. We're going to dive right in. So, there's been a lot of yeah. hot topics, a lot yeah. of conversations surrounding um, many political things that are happening in the last couple of weeks. Um, but there's one story that really stuck out to us. Yeah, yeah. So, do you want to introduce it? Sure. So, I'm going to um, talk a little bit from this article. Um, and this one comes out of The Guardian. And the title is, uh, Why are U.S. right-wingers uh, so opposed to a black woman Supreme Court nominee? And so, I mean, this wasn't the only article. We actually referenced a lot um, mm-hmm. of articles and just kind of the background. Um, and even it's it's not just right wingers it's also you know different folks that are coming from a conservative standpoint right. really talking about a black woman mm-hmm. being nominated to the supreme court the highest right. court of the land in the US um and so president president biden mm-hmm. has come out and said that he wants to nominate and appoint a black woman mm-hmm. to the US supreme court and what happened what happened after that? You know, there's a lot of people who um, came out, mainly politicians, but other people too mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. who didn't necessarily agree with what Biden had to say, even though that was one of the things he had talked about during his campaign, that if he had the opportunity right. to appoint right. someone to the Supreme Court, it would be a black woman, right? Um, and so after that had came out, there was a lot of you know people celebrating um, that comment. There were people who didn't necessarily agree with that comment. Um, who was one of those one of them was ted cruz of texas (laughs) right um and he called biden's plan offensive and an insult to black women yeah and just take a minute to digest that what does that mean right and you know he had talked about how um it's unprecedented and it's unnecessary Mm -hmm. and saying that elevate elevate skin color over qualifications and it's so much to unpack there um what ted cruz and what he's saying right but i think before we get there we have to talk about you know the perception of black woman Mm -hmm. qualifications Mm -hmm. what does Mm -hmm. that mean Mm -hmm. i mean talking about our own personal experiences as well um i think before we you know kind of dive into exactly what he's saying there yeah yeah i mean so that article for me even just kind of taking a step back right there was a lot of 
I think you know, there's opposing feelings around mm-hmm. that statement. And like you said, this was something that Biden had already stated in the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look back and we kind of dug into some of that research and, and some of the mm-hmm. precedent, um, it was Ronald Reagan. Yep. When he was a president who actually came out and said he was going to appoint the first woman right. to the Supreme Court. And so when you even think about from that lens, the first woman, Ronald Reagan, that was in the 80s. That was, mm-hmm. what, 1981 yep. when he came out and said that. And that was the first time we ever had a woman appointed yep. to the court. Yep. Um, and so uh, Sandra Day O'Connor mm-hmm. was the one who was appointed at that point in time. Um, but what they're trying to say is that the difference is that he might have said that um, and that was a part of his larger political campaign right. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he had a list that did include other men. Right. So I'm like, okay, he, he made a list that had some men on there, but right. he stated he was going to do it and he did it. Exactly. Um, back then too, uh, it was her that went door to door and campaigning for, mm-hmm. um, you know, the conservative ticket at that right. time. She had her kids in tote with her. Mm-hmm. She talked about what it meant to be a woman, right? Like a, a lot of these things that they said made her a stronger candidate right. because she understood a whole right different gender, you know, um, of perspective and could bring that to the court and made her even more qualified mm-hmm. to be at the, on the court. And mm-hmm. she was appointed. Right. So if we flip that and reverse it and think about this lens, you know, as, as it relates to a black woman, you would think, shouldn't that go, shouldn't that it coincide? Goes, right. But it, but it doesn't. Right. And we think about even growing up, right. Our parents, at least my parents always said that, you know, being a woman, being a black mm-hmm. woman, you have to be twice mm-hmm. as good mm-hmm. um, to get only half of what others may receive. Right. And that is something that stuck with me in my work ethic throughout my years in school, even after school, um, applying to different positions and jobs, being the best that I can be and present Absolutely. myself, Absolutely. you know, in the best light. Um, but looking back at it, you know, that's something that we had to do, but it's always not something that, um, you know, was always the best fit, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so this one article through the Atlantic said that black workers really do need to be twice as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and African-American employees tend to receive more scrutiny from their bosses than their white mm-hmm. colleagues, meaning that small mistakes are more likely to be caught, which over time leads to worse performance reviews and low wages. And we know that to be true um, based off of data that was presented um, through uh, the NBER papers, which was through um, Boston University. And so it's really interesting when you when you dissect that and what does that mean? Um, you know, they also said that they observed the pool to be, of unemployed black workers like, is less likely to be seen as less skilled, mm-hmm. um, prolonged unemployment. Mm-hmm. That means that sometimes your boss may be looking over your shoulder a little bit more, that micromanagement mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. there. Uh, we talked about imposter syndrome right, right. in another uh, podcast, and that imposter syndrome may come from that point in time mm-hmm. of being, mm-hmm. you know, working and saying, man, I'm not good enough or I'm trying so hard, right? And so taking that, what does that truly mean now putting in a lens of looking at the Supreme Court and what does qualifications mean? And I think, you know, these Supreme Court nominees have gone through that similar scrutiny, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does qualifications mean? We see that those who are being nominated in Supreme Court, the black woman, all went through an Ivy League school. Right. Right. Those that are, they're speculating. Correct. That these are going to be some of the folks that might be considered. Correct. And Correct. so to your point, okay, Harvard versus Yale. Um, right. It was interesting because you... You know, in talking about some of these qualifications, mm-hmm. I think it was Lindsey Graham who actually came out yes. recently and was trying to nominate someone from his state or, or suggesting someone yes. from his state to say, oh, she should be looked at. And she went to a state school. She can relate to more people versus 
someone who went to Harvard and right. went to Yale, not to say that their experiences don't necessarily mirror mm-hmm. other people being in right. those type of Ivy League schools, but just saying that, okay, we're looking at qualifications. This woman specifically would be great. She represents mm-hmm. my state. She can connect to people right. who went to state schools. Um, but I actually want to take a little bit back to what you said around like having to be twice as good and, and, mm-hmm. and folks being scrutinized a little bit. It's interesting because when we dug into some of that data, it talked about um, some surveying that would happen, right? right? So say you have a performance evaluation mm-hmm. and you know you have to write down all the different things that that person might have done during the year. Right. You're going to score them based on what that is. And a lot of times that's connected to um, your pay, right? right? Whether you get a, a raise, sometimes people get bonuses. There was in that in that uh, work, it talked about how they would look at certain people who had the same comments written down mm-hmm. and look from a race perspective and see two different scores. Right. And so even from a bias perspective, you know, there's a lot of different things that comes back to who's given the benefit of the doubt, right. who's given more opportunities, who's given stretch assignments. Um, and then just the consideration of what success looks like for you right. versus someone else. This is all based on. Research, research. Right. So to that point, you know, when you talk about the Supreme Court um, justice, I think we have a bias of who's seen as um, leaders. And we talk a lot about that as it relates to gender. Mm -hmm. Who's seen as a leader? Mm -hmm. Um, There was a TED talk and I'm forgetting the woman's name who she's like, close your eyes. Imagine you're walking to a tech. Was it Brene Brown? Uh, was it she did something similar it was a Brene who I absolutely love by the way yeah yeah I would love to talk to her (laughs) at some point in time but no that it might have been I don't know if it was her or not but it basically was taking you through this like close your eyes you're walking into a tech firm in somewhere in California Mm -hmm. right probably Silicon Valley and what's happening as you you know go Mm -hmm. through the halls you're seeing a person talk and they're giving a speech and they're the owner of this company Mm -hmm. and then they ask you different questions was this person male was it female right was this person you know a person of color or were they white and oftentimes they found that a lot of people uh considered and looked at this person through the lens of oh it must be a white male right and so when you think about these different positions who do you think about right leading right you know kamala was the first African-American and Asian woman who was right. put to, um, you know, vice president, it was a lot of backlash, backlash even around that. Correct. You know what I mean? And, you know, just a quick anecdote about that, too. One thing that is promising, especially working with kids, and I did a similar exercise with them to say, you know, close your eyes and vision what mm. a boss will look like, you know, and their vision is completely different. That is exciting. And so that yeah. is very exciting, yeah. too. And um, Candace Parker who I absolutely Mm. love as well. She just recently um, came out with her TED talk and she had talked about sitting her daughter down Mm -hmm. and watching the historical moment of Kamala um, becoming vice president. And she said, you see this, this is what you can be. This is what you Mm. can do. And her daughter said, mom, why couldn't I do that before? So it is very like promising. That's just a quick antidote, but that was just very promising, especially as I is, it's interesting working in DEI space, working with kids and children Mm. versus adults. The conversation is completely different and you always have to adjust that conversation, but it's very hopeful. And I always say this Gen Z is going to be that generation that just changes things. I can see that. I can see that. And I mean, a lot less work I've done with youth, but in those conversations, you definitely see it right where it's just like, well, duh, you know this why would this person do this or calling out different things and case Mm -hmm. studies that we've we've come up with but um yeah who's seen as a leader who's seen as a leader and when you think about i know we we took talked about some of the demographics of the supreme court of the u.s um and so 
I think another piece to consider is when they were talking about diversifying the Supreme Court back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. It was established in 1789. um, And a lot of these different issues were raised in terms of representation, but it was related to geography. Right. So whether you were from the South or whether you were from the North, that was a conversation. Right. Um, It also, it says for his first 180 years, justices were almost always white male Protestants of mm-hmm. Anglo or Northwestern European descent. And so prior to the 20th century, it says few Catholics were appointed, um, but there was a lot of concerns around right. that. And so we got our, fo- our first Jewish um, justice in 1916, first African-American who was Thurgood, Thurgood, Thurgood uh, Marshall, Marshall mm-hmm. in 1967, and then uh, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor in 1981. And so just kind of thinking about that right. progression, we talk about the changing demographics all the time, it's changing. It's changing. It's changing. And Supreme Court needs to represent what America looks like. Right. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I think there's this this fight, you know, and there's this like uh, resistance to I think the change. But Sotomayor yeah. was 2009 um, yeah. by President Barack Obama at the mm-hmm. time, um, you know, and that was something that was also a big deal. And when you look at the population and growth. We know the Latinx community has grown tremendously. Almost double, you know, in the past 10 years. Yeah. So I don't know. I, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting, um, you know, how things are going to evolve over time from mm-hmm. the Supreme Court all the way down to your, to local elections and jurisdictions. Um, especially, like we said, because the demographics are changing. You're starting to see more black and brown um, politicians at the local level. I mean, even Stacey Abrams running oh, yeah. for governor in Georgia. I mean, that's going to be definitely something to watch for sure. Um, but you're starting to see um, that people want uh, people out in power or in, in their political mm-hmm, positions mm-hmm. of what they look like mm-hmm. and representing them. And I tell this to all, you know, to, I keep going back to education and kids because yeah. that's my everyday life. But, you know, one thing that some of the students came to me to talk about was, um, especially the seniors, they were talking about student loans and, mm. you know, what does that look like and how that's going to affect them. And one girl actually said, she was like, Miss Bram, I'm going to be working at McDonald's for the next 20 years. Like, no, you're not, <laughs> you know, because um, she's like, I'm not going to go to school. But, no, these are some of the real topics, and mm-hmm. I always tell them, like, get behind a cause that you are passionate about that really um, reflects you in your life, yeah. and really look into um, who you are electing. They're 18 years old; they're right. eligible to vote. Right. Right. You know, midterm elections are coming right. up, right. so we have these conversations. I tell them, you're no longer babies; yeah. you're not kids. Yeah. Like, look at who you're putting into these positions that will speak to you or speak for you on your behalf in Congress ultimately up to the Supreme Court, looking at the presidential election, all yeah, these different yeah, things. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just going to be really interesting of, you know, what's what's going to happen next, though. And these folks represent, you know, really large interests of all of us as they Americans, do. right? So a lot of things that have been debated and, and past, um, you know, political conversations has been things like abortion rights, mm-hmm. um, has been who has the right to be protected in the workplace. You yep. know, we know that... Um, transgender and gender diverse folks have right. had that opportunity to come up more because mm-hmm. those conversations are happening at the Supreme Court. So right. who do you want to represent you? And I exactly. think, you know, 
the more that it can look like America, to your point, the better for everyone. Exactly. Um, you know, like who's have we ever had an openly gay Supreme Court justice? You right. know, when you talk about different populations that should be represented, mm-hmm. those are some of the things that I would love to see, um, yep. you know, happen yeah. at some point in yeah. time. Like yeah. just be more representative. Yeah. You know, so the U.S. is changing. It's changing and it's changing quickly. It, it really is. You know, it really we is. always talk about that, but it's changing quickly. And I think it's changing. Like I said, for obviously for the better, but also too, it's changing where I think in 10 years from now, our conversations about what DEI is, what yeah. it looks like, yeah. is going to be completely, completely right. different, right. Um, which I'm very excited about. So yeah. I guess, and I want to leave some questions too for our, our listeners to kind of chime in and hit us up on social media. What are mm-hmm. y'all thoughts around... Um, you know, Biden putting uh, uh, African-American woman mm-hmm. on the Supreme Court. Do you feel, as in uh, Senator Ted Cruz, do y'all feel um, offended by this? Do you right. do you feel like, you know, this is something that you wouldn't want to see because of that representation and that split? Because he, he talked about how uh, black women make up 6%. Mm-hmm. And when you look at our total, what is it, 13, 13 yep. percent um, a total U.S. population, should a black woman be on there? Mm-hmm. You know, what are y'all thoughts around that? Should it be more representative, even though when you look at the stats, it looks like it has been um, for other communities. Right. So. But I think also, too, one thing about that, uh, with the question that you just asked, too, is that as black women, we're so much more than just black women. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so I think, you know, obviously we lead with that based off mm. of what we look mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but we're so much more and we bring so much breath to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's never a question about putting a white male on Supreme court or, you know, what does never. that, what does that qualification looks right, like? Right. Or they don't lead as being a white male, but you, unfortunately sometimes you have to lead as being a black woman, right. but also too, but right. We bring so much more to the conversation. Absolutely. I think even though we make up 6%, there's so much we, you know, they talk about we're the most educated population, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so all these different things. And I think we have to get past that to say just a black woman. And I think, you know, it's interesting, too, because when they start to break down some of these qualifications, because this is the conversation that people are having, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just making an affirmative action higher. Uh, that's yeah. something that's been put. OK, you're just going to pick them based on the color of your skin. Right. Um, but when you look at the opportunity, because we talk about this bias and this mm-hmm. similar to me bias. So I'm. Because I'm who I am, I'm often going to pick someone that looks like me and I connect to in order to get these opportunities. It's similar in the courts, too, right? Like who makes it to a Supreme Court, um, the appellate courts, like all these different levels. Um, And there's a smaller population of us who have had that opportunity to get to that level now. They've talked about in the past, I think, um, you know, Biden already has appointed what is it, 15 or 18 black women to some of the higher courts? Right, the appellate courts. Um, yeah. I think Trump had put maybe two or three. You know, when you kind of go back and look, mm-hmm. there's been a shift in terms of putting more people right. to that to that layer and um, that level. But in terms of the experience, it's a smaller population, which right. makes sense. But, you know, they if they're at that level, they made it to that level for a reason, right? right. So I think it's going to be interesting to see yeah. what that looks like. Um, as well yeah it's gonna be an exciting shift so. yeah yeah but you definitely talk to us on social media yes. let us know what how you feel um about this decision um and we'll just have to keep an eye on what's going to look like so yeah and i think you know we talked about this we actually have some more conversations we want to have around sports yeah because that's been a big topic as yep. of late um the nfl with this uh brian flores the coach out of miami dolphins right. coming with this uh, lawsuit mm-hmm. and suing the nfl because of discrimination right 
Um, and there's a lot to talk about in that space as well. And mm -hmm. we, we have a guest that we want to bring on and talk a little bit more about that. But yeah. it's a lot. It is. It's a lot. It Who's is. considered qualified? And I think, you know, it's almost a privilege of being seen as that. Right. And we need to break some of that that right. down. Right. For sure. Keep applying the pressure. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, gem of the day. Gem of the day. I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, gosh. Oh, I didn't even think about this. I know. Okay. So I know we always talk about health and wellness. And mm. I think... You know, that's just something be that's close to us and near and dear to us in order to say stay sane yes. in these days. Yes. Um, but one thing that I've really been doing lately is getting into meditation. Mm, so okay. meditation is definitely an art. There's an art to meditation because before it would be like, okay, I'm going to meditate for five or ten minutes and I will go to sleep. That's just, sometimes I'm just you honest need to that, God. Though. Sometimes I you will, need sometimes that you, Yes, you, you yes. Know. But I want it to be mindful meditation okay, and okay. really like isolate the things that kind of make me anxious or sad or whatever the case may be. Really isolate those those pressure points that I have throughout the day. And so shout out to Peloton. Hey. And uh, Chelsea Jackson Roberts. Oh, I love her. I love absolutely her. love her. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing her meditations okay. almost daily. Okay. Uh, and I started with 10 minute ones and now she does 20 minute ones. And I absolutely love it. Have so, you tried the restorative yoga yet? I did one one class. I love that. Well, I I end up usually falling asleep sometimes in those two. <laughs> yeah, but um, those are nice. Yeah. too to really like kind of center yourself I'm and stretch. To, um, so I do those two on the Peloton. I'm gonna definitely yeah. have to, to try those out yeah. again. But I, you know, we've been doing. Well, I've been doing like a lot of the the biking and the yeah. Um, you know, all the other workouts that they have on Peloton, which I absolutely love. However, I've been really getting into meditating and being intentional with my thoughts. Mm. And it's, I, you know, I feel a lot more just free, a lot of clarity that, yeah. you know, questions that I have for myself. So my gym of the day is to definitely hone in on some of those thoughts that you may yeah. have just floating out there, positive thoughts, bad thoughts, whatever the case may be, and really think about what does that mean and how does that uh, interact with you hmm. in your day? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This I think that's that good, been, too. I mean, mental health has been something we've, we've talked about in the yeah. podcast, but just kind of seeing things that people have been going through, yeah. I think that's really good to stay yeah. in tune with yourself and create that space. Always stay in tune. You know, and I would say, yourself. you know, on top of that is to – to pull back from social media a lot too. Mm. Like I've been pulling it back a lot and it's so easy to get pulled right in, especially all the videos and scrolling and people right. sending you things. Right. And I've been pulling back from social media a lot just because it's, it's heavy. It is. You know, it's heavy. It is. Um, so I think that's really been centering me and grounding me as I enter into this new season of, I don't know what this season is, but I know this is a you season of Issa? something. Yo, me season. <sighs> No, I'm on my me season and I'm rooting for everybody black. Okay. Like Issa said. Okay. Black History <laughs> Month. It makes sense. Right. But no, I'm on my Issa, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's just something. I guess that's my gem is to really take care of you and be in tune with your emotions. All right. My gem. I think it's interesting because, you know, we have conversations all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, with a former guest too, Jasmine, who's also a DNI yeah. practitioner. And I would say... My gem of the day um, centers around collective manifestation, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've talked a lot about this <laughs> recently. And it's funny because, you know, we do this thing where we'll go, when we go out, you know, might be relaxing and having yeah. a little cocktail or something. And we always say something that we want mm -hmm. and cheers to it. But we're putting it out there in the atmosphere. Yes. yes. Um, and the crazy thing is. It comes true. It's becoming true, y'all. It's so weird. It's becoming true. <laughs> 
um, I think one of the biggest things, though, like learning more about that is, and not with everybody, not you can't do that with everybody uh, no. in terms of your own dreams, but it's like you're putting that out um, in the world to hear, right? Like, yeah. this is something that I want. This is something I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're kind of like touching and agreeing on church yeah. terms, <laughs> touching and agreeing with yeah. other folks and, um, you know, people kind of rooting for you in that same mm-hmm. space. And so you're giving that a lot of positive energy right. behind it. Um, and then also being vulnerable to say like, this is what, this exactly. is what I want exactly. and speaking it to life. So exactly. I would say, you know, find people in your circle that you can think about the future with, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Like I said, with everybody, but I think if you find, you know, your, your group, you can do that. And find so your tribe. you'll try, find your tribe and, and start to manifest things in your yeah. life that you want to see. Cause it's, yep. you know. They say two or three gather. When two or three gather. And the important thing, too, is people, are going, your friends and your tribe is going to tell you when you're off. <laughs> They're going to tell you when, like, mm. girls sit down, mm. you know, because mm. we've had those moments, we too. Have. Like, get it together. Right. Like, all right, it's time, you know, time to go. But, um, and that's the, that's just the importance of having that tribe. Yeah. So. so that's my, that's my gem of the day. Put it out there what you want. You know, call it by name. Don't yeah. be afraid of it. Yeah. And follow suit. Yeah. Everyone. So. That's it, y'all. All right. So episode four in the book. I hope this is episode four. I think so. I think it is. Uh, we'll J- see. Jay Cruz will tell yeah, us. Yeah, Jamil will tell us. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll All see right. y'all next week. Yeah, peace. Peace.